Welcome to the Calvary Podcast, Lenten Preaching Edition, the ministry of Calvary Episcopal Church, recorded live in Memphis. The Calvary Podcast is weekly sermons, but also conversations, reflections, and provocations about the mystery of God and what it means to be human in the world in need of repair. Well, good afternoon. It is such a joy and such a privilege to be back here at the Calvary Lenten Preaching Series celebrating its 100th birthday. I am uh, so grateful for the invitation to be here and for everyone at Calvary who makes this happen. Uh, Heidi Rupke is a superhero in, in the work that she does every year, putting up with the likes of me as we... Uh, Get ready for this. Um, and I'm also, I'm, I'm here this year, and, and it's worth taking a minute to, to, to say this before, before we really get into the sermon. Um, I, I'm, I'm here with, with some gratitude in my heart, specifically from, from the congregation that I serve to, to this one. This past Christmas Eve, um, uh, in our building at Church of the River, we had a pipe burst. And our main hallway flooded and then promptly froze, creating sort of a, a, a skating rink in indoors. Um, and so it was it was not going to be possible to have Christmas Eve in our, our church. So I, not knowing what else to do, I called my friend Scott Walters and said, you know, hey, uh, how would you feel about a bunch of Unitarian Universalists crashing your service? And... And he welcomed us so immediately and so warmly, and they put me in Episcopal vestments and put me in, in the service and welcomed all of us as part of their service. And, um, you know, real talk, not every church in Memphis would have been so quick to welcome a bunch of Unitarians. It it speaks to, to the love and hospitality in this place uh, that we found such a welcoming home here. So thank you to Scott and to everyone at Calvary who, who welcomed us. So the theme that we Lenten preachers have been asked to address this year is, is the future of faith. You know, kind of a small and rather specific theme. And, but the, the future of faith, what, what's interesting to me about this topic is that this is something that, that clergy and, and, uh, you know, very, very involved people of faith in general, this is something we, we love to stress out about it, right? And, and quote to each other these, these rather bleak statistics about religious institutions in the 21st century. Has anybody read or repeated these, the, all these statistics, right? Attendance is down, giving is down, more people in this country than at any other time are identifying as atheists or as spiritual but not religious and not affiliated with any religious institution. So it is a stressful time to be a person who is very invested in organized religion. So I want to talk about this and and I want to start by by talking with you all about about this story that I think gives uh, 
an example of the ways in which this stress that we're feeling can manifest and uh, perhaps point to a way forward. This is a story from the second book of Samuel, and it's about the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant, um, for those of you who haven't seen Indiana Jones, is... Uh, a, it is a sacred biblical object. It, 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 it's essentially a very special and ornate box that the people of Israel carry with them. And the Ark of the Covenant contains three things, one of which is in two parts. Clergy in the room, by raised hands, who can tell me one of the things that's inside the Ark of the Covenant? Not Colton. He knows. I know he knows. Clergy. Yeah? It has the two, yep, that's the one thing in two parts, the two tablets with the Ten Commandments. Who else? Got to raise a hand and I'll, I'll call on you. Okay, Colton. It has Aaron's staff, Moses' brother. It has Aaron's flowering staff. One other thing. It has a jar of manna, exactly. This is the, the, the food the heavenly food that God gave to the people of Israel in the desert. So the ark contains these three important things, and it is so sacred that you aren't even supposed to touch it. It has to be carried on poles that attach to it, and and it's portrayed in the Hebrew Bible as this source of strength and power for the people of Israel. It eventually takes a place of highest honor in Solomon's temple, and so in our story, the ark of the covenant has just been stolen, and the people of Israel have have just gotten it back, and they are transporting it back to their homeland, and they've got the ark being carried between two oxen, and as the oxen are are, are walking along, they they hit sort of a sort of a bump in the road, right? One of the oxen trips a little bit, and the ark starts to sort of wobble from side to side, and a guy who I've called so many Hebrew Bible scholars asking how you pronounce his name there is no consensus. We're going to say Uzzah, and if, uh, you know, that, that's, that's what we're going to do. And uh, we're going to do the best we can. This guy named Uzzah, you know, who's there sort of monitoring the safety of the ark, he reaches out just to kind of steady the ark as it wobbles, right? So it doesn't fall off, off the oxen. But in doing this, Uzzah touches the ark, which you super aren't supposed to do. So the second that his hand makes contact with the ark, he keels over dead. So I want to draw your attention um, to just a few things in that story. First, I want to point out that the ark of the covenant was being carried in a new way. Right in, in the book of Exodus, God specifically says the ark has to be carried on poles by people. And yet, here it is in the story being carried uh, in between two oxen. So it starts to wobble because, because of course it does, because this is not how the ark was designed to be moved. And so Uzzah, in a sincere effort to be helpful and faithful, reaches out to this structure that is so sacred to him, and he attempts to help it and to steady it. He tries to help it adapt to this new way of being in the world. And in response, this structure, this institution that he loves, ends up utterly destroying him. I mean, so that's, that's the 21st century church in a nutshell. Right? I mean, if we can see the Ark of the Covenant as not only a sacred object 
but as a container that was built to hold sacred objects, then we can see it as a pretty good summary of religious institutions, right? It contains our Ten Commandments, which is to say it contains guidelines and instructions to help people be better people. It contains a jar of manna, which is to say it contains the assurance that people who are in need will be fed and will be healed. And it contains Aaron's extraordinary flowering staff, which is to say it contains the possibility for miraculous things to happen. And so many of us who so deeply love our religious institutions, we clergy people and committed, faithful lay people, we know how powerful and beautiful our religious institutions can be. It is because of these elements that are within the ark. It is because our faith traditions have taught us to be our best selves when we didn't know how to be in the world. It is because they have healed us and fed us when we were broken and some kind of starving and because they have made seemingly impossible things happen. When everything else was hopeless, they have given us hope. So we know how important these institutions and structures are. And so many of us are trying with all of our might to help these institutions and structures adapt to new ways of being in the world. We have accepted that this is a new era and that people just aren't willing to tithe or volunteer or attend services or carry the Ark of the Covenant on poles in the ways that they used to. So we're trying to come up with different solutions. We're trying to find some kind of oxen. And the thing is, and this this feels so important to me to, to name, is that oxen are a pretty good idea given what these people were working with. Right? When I was in seminary, I, I, I worked at a bookstore um, that was uh inside of a recreated colonial village. And so every day this guy would drive an ox past the front door. And like, you've got to understand that like an ox is not just a funny looking cow. They are gigantic, right? The ox that I used to see was was legitimately bigger than an SUV. So oxen are strong and they are steady. So if you can't get humans to carry the Ark of the Covenant, an ox is absolutely your next best bet. And yet, as we try to find some kind of oxen to carry our churches and religious institutions, we are discovering, just like Uzzah did, that this transition causes these structures on a good day to shift uncomfortably. And so just like Uzzah, we are reaching out and doing the best we can, trying to hold these institutions up. And in many cases, just like Uzzah, we are getting hurt. If you think the statistics about church attendance and giving are deeply concerning, I will point you towards the statistics about clergy people and religious professionals and our health. Religious professionals are significantly more likely than lay people to suffer from depression, anxiety, alcoholism, heart disease, any medical condition you can think of that is associated with stress, we are all the way under it. 
the majority of clergy people who graduate from seminary leave ministry forever in less than five years. And I will tell you that since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, I have watched my beloved colleagues falling apart at a rate that I have never seen before, crushed, as it were, under the weight of an ark that they were trying to hold up. But this was a crisis before the pandemic, and I think part of it is that being a clergy person, you know, requires a ridiculously diverse skill set, most of which we have no formal training for. But I think another part of what afflicts clergy people is the knowledge that even if we give it our all, even if we hang on to that ark until it does to us what it did to Uzzah, that ark is simply not going to stay on that ox forever. At some point, the sacred structure that we have dedicated our lives to protecting is going to fall and break apart because this is simply not the environment in which it was designed to function. So, so what do we do with this? How do we move forward? Our work, as clergy people and as committed lay people, and this is some of the hardest work that people of faith can be asked to do, our work is to let go of the ark. Our work is to let the structure fall, let it break when it hits the ground, and if it doesn't break when it hits the ground, smash it. And then gather the community around and look together at the elements that it contained and begin together the work of building a new vessel that can be carried well by our communities as they exist now, a vessel that can be a source of love and justice and compassion to all people and not a repository for punishment. And I know how painful that can be. With change, there is always grief. But it is better to grieve for what is lost than to pretend that it is still there when the truth is that it has been gone for a long time. And I am not saying we need to get rid of everything. Not every structure in religious institutions needs to break right away. You can read all these articles that say we need to have no more church buildings or we need to have no more church on Sunday mornings or we need to have no, no more full-time clergy those articles are a sensationalized baloney. Um, and it's that kind of absolutist thinking, that kind of rigidly pretending that we know exactly what needs to happen that I am saying we need to get away from. I don't think there's anybody who really knows what the future of organized religion looks like. I'm certainly not going to say that we should get rid of full-time clergy people. I've got bills to pay. And I believe that as clergy people, we have such a vital role to play in our communities, even if we may not quite know what that will look like years from now. What I'm saying is that as people of faith, we need to let go of our addiction to familiarity in order to leave room for innovation and creativity and brilliance. A little over a year ago, uh, I was in one of those very difficult places in which clergy sometimes find ourselves. I was in a 
the worst depression that I've ever been in. And uh, my beloved friend, Rabbi Micah Greenstein, wrote me a letter, like an actual letter in an envelope that he put in the mail. And one of the things he said in, in the letter to me was that the holy shows up when one thing is ending and something else is beginning. When I look at the future of faith, I see that this is clearly a moment when some things are ending, but this is also a moment when so many beautiful things are beginning. And that the holy, whatever that might mean to you, is therefore surely with us and amongst us and within us. This is a moment to allow the holy to show up and to follow where we are led because the last thing about the text that we read today that that I want to draw your attention to, just, you know, real quick before we go, is that the Ark of the Covenant is gone. Right? Like, as a historical artifact, it's, it's lost. There are communities all over the world, on almost every continent, that that believe that they have the original Ark of the Covenant or that they know where it is or what happened to it. If you want to fall down a truly excellent internet conspiracy theory rabbit hole, might I strongly recommend people theorizing about the possible fates of the Ark of the Covenant. But there is no consensus, right, on where it is, and yet... Here we are. We, the theological descendants of the people who loved and cared about that object and couldn't imagine their faith without it, including Uzzah, here we are, sitting together as beloveds, watching the sun set on one era of organized religion and anticipating the rise of the next, because even if we don't have the Ark of the Covenant, we have what it contained. We have our ethics and our values. We have our healing and our compassion. We have our faith and our willingness to do impossible things. And together we can construct structures and vessels and institutions and theologies that we can all carry together as beloved, faithful people. Amen. Dialogue is a podcast of Calvary's Lenten preaching series a 100-year-old tradition that invites wise and inspiring speakers into our pulpit during the season of Lent. Dialogue is produced by Noah Glenn of Perpetual Motion. Our theme music was composed by Spence Bailey. Special thanks to Robin Banks, Director of Communications at Calvary, and Heidi Rupke, Lenten Preaching Series Coordinator. And thanks to you for listening. If you're curious about the home of dialogue in the Lenten preaching series, Calvary Episcopal Church is an eclectic bunch of Christian people. We don't all think the same thoughts or dress the same way or vote for the same candidates or even believe all the same things about the mystery of God and what it means to be human. But we do believe that we need each other because of our differences, not in spite of them, and that God calls us into a beloved community marked by unity, not uniformity. Subscribe to Dialogue at calvarymemphis.org podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit Calvary in person at the corner of 2nd and Adams in the heart of downtown Memphis, Tennessee.